um, because really what that is saying is they're not looking at Māori as just, um, you know, a minority as such. They're looking at Māori as a, a, a genuine employee, an employer, a client, an influencer, you know, someone of mana and leadership. And really, probably most importantly, they're looking at Māori as tangata whenua, the people of this land. Kia ora, I'm Troy, here as CEO, and welcome to Stirring the Pot. Thanks for connecting. If you're new, here's what you can expect. We're going to be talking the tough stuff, the things that keep us metalheads up at night. There are many challenges facing our industry and equally many opinions on how we should tackle them. Stirring the Pot provides a facilitated forum to discuss and challenge these viewpoints. So let's get to the nuts and bolts of it. Today, we're joined by here as CEO, Troy Coyle, and GM of Comms 4.0, Kim Nugent, to discuss Matauranga Māori and the plans ahead for Hera. All right, kia ora, Kim. Um, I guess we're going to start with you um, for a bit of a, I guess, a rundown on what is Matauranga Māori for those that, uh, that don't know. Oh, kia ora, Greg. Yeah, um, I think that Matauranga Māori is probably one of these concepts that we're starting to hear quite a lot about out in the world and some of us get it and some of us don't uh, and that's because it's a little bit unknown to a lot of people but essentially Matauranga Māori is a, a body of knowledge an indigenous body of knowledge particularly for our Māori people in Aotearoa um, and I guess it, it's a multidisciplinary body of thinking and doing uh, it's quite holistic in its approach I would say so that's something a little bit different and um, it, it's knowledge that really has been accumulated over time uh, and probably one of the common misconceptions about Matauranga Māori is that it sits in the past and it's knowledge collected back in time but the reality is is that Matauranga Māori always continues to evolve over time so it still has some relevance today if we choose to look at it through the lens of what we're doing today. Yeah, and I guess I, I think that's probably the, the logical next question from here, and I think it'd be a question for you, Troy. I mean, it'd be fascinating to understand and maybe unpack a little bit, you know, why is this concept of Mātauranga Māori so important for Hera to, to dive into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there are a number of reasons why that would be important, but I think the first one is that we are essentially living in a um, titiriti-led uh, country, And that does mean that we should be looking at things not only through our cultural lenses, colonizers, I guess, um, but also the cultural lens of the Indigenous people. And that means that, um, you know, it's very hard to grasp the concept and it's hard to understand how that's going to work. Um, But I think that's part of the um, excitement too is that – you know, this is kind of new uh, to be able to find a way where two completely different but sometimes overlapping perspectives can work um, in unison. And that's an, a fantastic opportunity and it's definitely one that New Zealand seems to be leading the way on. Um, I kind of think of it like this. So, uh, you know, when Hira first started working in this area um, and started thinking about te ao Māori, of course, I have to look at everything through the perspective of the Heavy Engineering Research Levy Act um, in terms of how we can expend the levy and and also the rules of HERA around what we are supposed to um, focus on. 
And so in the Act, there are some, there's a definition of what um, kind of eligible expenditure um, comprises. And, you know, I was looking at it and it's got things like um, research and development, training, um, funding of scholarships and so on. And I was looking at it very much through my own cultural lens and realized, actually, if I take out that and I don't automatically assume that my cultural lens is the only one or the right one, um, I can see how Mataronga Māori um, can fit into those definitions and requirements very easily. Um, so it kind of challenged me around, you know, the automatic assumptions that are applied in terms of how I interpret things and probably how most people interpret things around, for example, legislation or, you know, the objectives of an organisation because we're naturally assuming things from our own cultural perspectives. Uh, so I think that's an exciting opportunity for us to challenge ourselves on how um, we could look at things differently and how we can um, take the best from both worlds. So, you know, the analogy that I would use is that if you are, for example, um, a, I don't know, an environmental engineer or a materials engineer or whatever type of engineer you are, um, you can often look at a problem from a very narrow perspective. And then, you know, there's a lot of evidence around um, multidisciplinary approaches to solving problems. And I don't see this as any different. So, you know, I realize that we've got um, a body of knowledge that's been developed over a long period of time and continues to be developed. Um, but similarly, there's a whole body of knowledge out there that has been developed over a long period of time and continues to be developed. So why wouldn't we look at where there's opportunities to um, take the best from each um, and apply those in in new ways that actually um, are synergistic and um, build something that's even better? Mm, mm, it's interesting, yeah, being able to take that position of uh, looking at our responsibility outside of that individual lens is, I, I guess, is really important. So I'm, I'm interested to maybe dive into and I get, you know, both your perspectives on, um, I guess, at this point in time, um, what do we kind of think that our members know about Mātauranga Māori as it stands? And I guess, what are some of the, the areas or some of the things that uh, we're thinking that um, we need to maybe develop a little bit more with them? Mm -hmm. I think everyone's on a different spectrum of this journey. So we will have some members and industry members who are really on top of this. And we are actually seeing that there are a lot of organizations, associations, businesses that have already come on this journey. So in some cases, there might be other parts of our industry that probably are playing a little bit of catch up. So. Um, I, I just think um, for for our industry, what the focus should be is really on trying to find those intersections between um, Western science or business as such 
and Mātauranga Māori, I obviously acknowledge that there will be some parts of businesses that it doesn't make sense to look at their work that they do through that lens, but there is absolutely those synergies, as Troy was saying, that we that we should be looking at. Um, and I think that if we want to be truly representative of being in Aotearoa, then it is just a natural and a good thing to do to look at it and what the opportunities are. Um, like I said, I think we are all on different parts of the journeys. It's really exciting to see um, that there are some companies um, that have already made that effort. I think um, areas we could look at is, for example, um, some of the workforce developments, there's been some really amazing work going on there in terms of honouring Tatiriti or Waitangi through co-governance, uh, co-chair governance. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of legislation start to make some changes in the way they think about Mātauranga Māori and calling for a need for partnership. So there's definitely organisations that are definitely on that journey. Um, and so really it's just about helping our industry to see that um, and to then start coming on that journey as well so that we can be just as competitive, aligned um, and good cultural partners, I would say. I think Kim's being very generous. <laughs> I would say that on that <laughs> spectrum, most of the um, bunching up is probably at the 99% of us are not aware of Amataronga Māori or its potential or um, possibilities at all. Um, and I can't blame people for that either because, you know, I'm in... I, I think I'm coming up to my 10-year anniversary um, of living in New Zealand and probably for the first six years I did not even know what Mātauranga Māori meant, um, let, let alone having thought about um, how it could be applied um, to the businesses I was working in. Um, I think that, you know, the first um, exposure that I had to the term was um, through Endeavour funding and there's a Mātauranga Māori component there um, and that was kind of an eye-opener because I was like, well, what is this? What, why do I have to know about it? Why is it important? Um, what do I have to do to um, understand it, engage with it, honour it? Um, and that, that's that been, you know, quite a long journey to even get to this point and I'd say we're probably, I don't know, I would guess 10 to 15% along that spectrum. Um so I, I think that uh, it's definitely something that requires a long-term commitment to and probably for most people will be a lifetime journey for understanding and appreciating. Um, but it's got to start somewhere and uh, it's going to be increasingly important um, for businesses to understand and engage with Mātauranga Māori. So you know, obviously we're, we've identified that there's a, there's a lot of work to be done and there's a lot of work that um, is happening and I guess there is a, um, a pathway ahead that's beginning to emerge. Um, in terms of, uh, I guess, some specifics around what HERA is doing, um, can we get a sense of, I guess, what's happening now and maybe what is um, like a, a medium, long-term vision for... Um, this journey and how we're hoping that we can kind of take our members on that on that path. Mm. I think Hira itself is still really early on that journey, um, and also under 
it's really kind of um, exploring how Mataronga Māori can work within our organisation as well as our members' organisations. Um, I think that probably, you know, the first step was around equipping us with knowledge to at least understand what could be the potential and how we would go about um, considering and incorporating Mataronga Māori. Um, and so we've had a long-standing relationship with Puhoro um, now. So, we, you know, as a team we have been uh, – we started off with Te Reo Māori um, lessons initially, but we actually found that really difficult because we needed, I guess, more cultural context to some of the concepts, um, especially because Te Reo Māori is a much more metaphorical language and I think to master it you would need to under- have such – have much more of the cultural understanding. So we then changed to um, Mātauranga Māori lessons and and I think the team have much more engaged with that because it's setting some context. We're starting to apply the language a bit more. Um, But we're still very, very early on in that journey and I don't pretend that we are in any way experts on it. But what we have realised is some of the opportunity that that brings uh, and we have, I guess started to understand that it's not a threat, um, that it doesn't threaten our own ways of doing engineering research and development at all, that it enhances it, in fact. Um, and I, I would say, you know, we, we're probably a microcosm for what would be happening in industry. So we've started from not knowing um, at all what Mataronga Māori is, not knowing how to engage with it. Um, starting to develop some relationships to enable us to get self-educated on that and then starting to explore ways that we can more meaningfully engage with it um, while also making sure that we're respecting and honouring it, um, which in itself is also something that's quite um, complicated or complex and that's also a journey that we're on as well. Um, and a lot of that is also about developing relationships. Uh, and what I view just as a um, stereotype, I guess, of um, Māori engagement or iwi engagement or, you know, um, hapu and Fano engagement is really that it's based on relationships. And so it is quite challenging to us because, you know, we're used to doing business in a certain way we have to do business in a different way um, in order to act to be given access um, and insights to Mataronga Māori. Those doors really only open, I think, through relationships. And, um, you know, I think Kim has said it before, you know, Māori can smell when um, someone's coming in just to um, develop a relationship in order to get funding. Um, and that's fair enough. Uh, so it does require... Um, more genuineness and that I I think it just comes back to it's all about education um, and getting that baseline understanding of what Mataronga Māori is um, so that it it, you know when when you are calling upon those relationships just like any kind of relationship you've got some some basis to that relationship rather than it being one way Mm, mm. yeah I would I would total course support what Troy is saying. I think, you know, we're that stone at the top of the hill and we're 
trying to get down to the bottom of the hill and we've kind of got up the top and we're rolling down and slowly getting there as we're starting to gain that that matauranga, that knowledge. Um, and now we're trying to, we're probably at that stage now where we feel in a space where we can understand it, we can see the benefits of having matauranga Māori and we're trying to get our mates on board to come down that hill with us so we can get more momentum. And I think that's probably our sticking point at the moment is that there is a little bit of... Um, yeah, discomfort um, in taking this journey because it is unknown. Uh, and so part of the mahi that Hero I think, is currently doing, or what I'm trying to do, is to really draw those parallels of where the benefit would be, how, how that could impact business for the better, because it's a really exciting opportunity. Um, I see Matauranga Māori as, as a taonga, as, as a treasure, that if our industry is willing to accept that gift, that koha, they can just do so much with it. I think there's some massive smoke signals out there that if we've got our eyes wide open, um, there are big indications for change coming. And so we just need to pay attention to those. I think areas where HERA can help industry to understand is things like government procurement. I would say that uh, if you are in the space of wanting to win those types of contracts, you must be able to apply a matauranga Māori lens to the mahi you do because they're asking more of businesses than to just say, um, you know, come in at the cheapest price. They want to know what the impacts are going to be um, socially, you know, culturally, of course, from a profit perspective. So there's a more holistic approach happening now to these procurement models. They want to be able to see that, you know, is it helping to create more jobs for the local Māori communities and, and little things like that. And if you don't have genuine iwi relationships to be able to create those opportunities, you're not going to be able to demonstrate that you are a good procurement partner for government. I mean, th that that's just one example, but there are probably a raft of, of <laughs> opportunities waiting out there if we can show ourselves to be good cultural leaders. Um, the the Māori economy itself is the fastest growing economy in comparison to just general, the general economy. It's, it's getting momentum and um, we will probably find that a lot of the mahi in the future that we want to do will include the Māori, the Māori economy. Um, Ngaitahu property is one of the most massive property developers down in our South Island uh, and they've got a lot of government procurement projects, private procurement projects in industrial commercial spaces which is absolutely what our industry's bread and butter is and they're handing out massive contracts and let me tell you they won't just partner with anybody they want to know that your values align with them you know around manakitanga, kotahitanga, kaitiakitanga all of these concepts that if you're hearing them now for the first time and you don't know what they are that's an indication you need to start to understand matauranga Māori because this is absolutely embedded into Māori business. Um, so I think Hira's role at this stage is to point out these 
these opportunities or these areas where it's going to impact business, which is what we're trying to do now, to help bring people on that journey to understand the importance of it, not just from a, because it's the right thing to do or to Tiddity Partners, but that it actually will impact business, business profits, you know. Um, And so it is an important part to play. I think another really massive indicator um, and area that we need to point out is around uh, Māori as a workforce. Um, They are one of the fastest growing parts of our population in terms of cultural ethnic group. And so a large part of our workforce in the future is going to be Māori. And Māori like to feel when they come to work that they're coming to a place where they feel like they are a valued part of the business. And so there's some work to be done in diversity inclusion um, to make safe cultural environments for Māori to feel like they've got a home at their mahi. Um, Because if we are saying we've got skills shortages and labour shortages, then... This is a group of, of workers or a future workforce that could really make positive change for our industry if we're able to attract and retain them. Mm, that's interesting because mm. often we, we're really good at talking about uh, business process. And on the other hand, we're often very to- good at talking about business mindsets. But Matauranga Māori seems to be something that almost is a foot in either camp that bridges those two things together. Um, but with with that, I can imagine that there is some some real challenges in trying to get people um, to understand the benefit or to even want to come on that journey. I mean, from your perspective, Troy, what, what are the I guess the big challenges that Hera is facing in terms of taking people on that journey? Mm, I think there are a lot. Um, I have found, you know, since coming, I, I mean, I've worked in this industry for a, a really long time now. I think it's more than 15 years now. Um, and oftentimes I will go into a room and I'll be the only woman and I'm kind of having to raise the flag for all women in the industry. And it's almost the same um, but worse um, for Mataronga Māori and once you see things, you can't unsee them. And so now that I see things with, you know, some training behind me around Tetiriti um, and a little bit around Mataronga Māori, I can see going into meetings how the Mataronga Māori isn't being respected um, and how it isn't even being understood. Um, and I, I kind of question, you know, is it the role of Māori around the table to... Um, provide that education or is it really for us to get self-educated before we make comments or decisions around whether Mataronga Māori is of value or whether it's science or, you know, there's a a lot of claims that are made without um, very little understanding or, sorry, with very little understanding um, or education around Mataronga Māori. And I find that's the biggest um, challenge is that we're talking about something which is very confronting because of, I guess, the politics behind, um, you know, colonisation. But we don't have a common baseline around, you know, that common um, threshold of knowledge. So we're not coming from a position where we can have informed conversations. We're coming from a position where we can have 
um, conversations that are, very, that are very threatening and ill-informed. Um, so I think that's to me is why education is the is the baseline because um, through Hunger Araro uh, we did some tertiary training early on, um, and and I have seen firsthand how people can come in with a very um, concerned mindset around incorporating Mataronga Māori and a Te Ao Māori perspective um, and then can be completely turned around once they have that knowledge behind them as to why those things are important and how they can be considered. Um, so I think that that's the, the biggest challenge is that it's threatening. The first, you know, the first response from people is to feel threatened, that it feels like it's a political discussion around colonisation um, and, you know, you know, our industry is dominated by um, male white men or white men. Um, and, uh, you know, th- that can be confronting. It's, it's confronting enough talking about gender um, uh, diversity. Um, this has got that additional political component to it. And, and I think that feels more confronting to people. So that, that's the challenge for me is really having those conversations um, I was at a meeting last week of the Construction Industry Council and we had um, Paul Stock and John Sneed from the Building Systems um, area of MB there um, and, that, and that was one of the two areas that they said MB is going to be focusing on. Um, the other was seismic. So, you know, I found that quite interesting that we've got a very technical focus area and then we've got a very cultural focus area and, and that's increasingly the conversations that I am seeing around the table, um, particularly involving government agencies. I think that our um, colleagues in adjacent industries, so for example, uh, architecture, have been on this journey for some time and they, you know, they have different conversations to what we have. Um, and we need to um, acknowledge that... Uh, we're part of a system um, that does require strong relationships, not only with EWE but our adjacent partners. As I said, the you know architects and specifiers are very important um, uh, partners for us, as well as government. And as Kim said, EWE, you know, EWE projects are a significant component of building and construction and infrastructure development. So, um, you know, we risk missing out on some very substantial um, projects. We risk um, alienating um, our partners. We miss being able to collaborate in meaningful ways. Um, and, and we also have the threat of doing things um, dramatically wrong. Um, so Humatao would be an example, you know, where um, a lack of understanding and um, true partnership has caused, uh, you know, a very significant impact on a um, development project that probably had significant business impact for um, Fletcher's. Uh, so, you know, when it goes wrong, it goes really wrong and it's really difficult to repair those relationships. So why not um, start outright um, and acknowledge that, you know, we don't know what we don't know, so let's at least learn um, before we start deciding, you know, what is of use and what isn't of use to us. 
Yeah, I, t- I totally agree. And I kind of want to piggyback on some of what you've said there, Troy, because I think another part of that resistance is this worry that, you know, we talk about cultural appropriation and cultural tax. Um, there are a lot of businesses who are nervous about it because they don't want to also seem like they're taking a culture um that isn't theirs and using it to an advantage. And so that's where it's really important that you understand this is a long-term journey. If we are to make it genuine, there has to be, you know, it's not just for this one project we're going to do this. It has to be embedded into a business um, to, to make it a genuine part of your your organization and and what you do part of your core values as such and i think that's where there's a discomfort because i think um if we if we look at the work we do there is actually probably a lot of it already that you're doing that that actually fits in already with mātauranga māori and i think it's just opening your eyes up to understand that um i just yeah, I, I just feel like that's part of the reason why perhaps there's a little bit of resistance. For example, I'll, I'll give an example of myself. You know, I remember when Troy first came to me and said, look, I want to look at Mātauranga Māori as a project for Hera to look into for our industry. And even I was nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, Troy, like, you know, as a Māori person, I thought, oh, oh, I, I don't know. And you feel some weight of having a project like that to lead because it's all of a sudden it's not if I don't get this right I could be impacting a lot of other Māori and that's just how Māori think you know we're not thinking about ourselves how it would be good I automatically was thinking about what happens if I get this wrong how will this impact all Māori in our in our industry and it's just thinking with that broader lens of not just self or this one business and Troy was like, no, I, th- I think it's really important. And so we did start that journey and it was just amazing to see as our team was being educated in um, Te Ao Māori, how we've all started to really look at things a bit differently. And then I remember Troy saying, look, this is a separate project and um, I, you know, I want to acknowledge that it's, it's outside of the remit of your your actual core role so I I work in marketing and communications and so with that um, came sort of like additional budgets to be able to support that which we had to ask for permission obviously we we have a board and um, we have to report in for those things and I remember Troy ringing up to tell me look we've we've got approval for that it's it's not going to come out of your existing budget this is going to be something now as a Māori person that said to me this organization genuinely is is putting mātauranga Māori as important and it's it's those little steps that a business can take to say actually this isn't this isn't just something we're going to do on the side or we're going to get our Māori our Māori employees to do for us because it's just going to help us get more puti and more money um we are we're investing in this we care about it um and I know I'm sure that Troy probably fielded questions you know did she ask for that why is she asking for that I'm sure Um, but the result of that is that I felt more engaged to do this project because I felt like it was a genuine something that this business really wanted to do and I think it's just little steps like that that a business can also do um, to show that this is actually part of this is part of their culture this is something I want to do 
And of course, it's going to lead to long-term benefit in terms of bottom line, but you, you, can't, you can't pay for a more engaged employee. That has to come through looking after your staff and showing little efforts like that to make you feel like this is an important part. Um, and so I guess we're in that fray at the moment of looking at what the work we do and finding those commonalities between what could bridge over to Matauranga Māori and everyday business. And I think probably for our industry, sustainability is going to be one viewpoint where we can understand it from a business perspective. And hopefully that opens the door to the bigger journey of what that looks like deeper in mm. the organisation. I think also the um, challenge to us is um, that many members will say, well, why is HERA doing this? You know, we've got to focus on research and heavy engineering. And it comes back to, you know, I always am checking our compliance with the um, Heavy Engineering Research Levy Act. And I looked at that list of um, uh, eligible activities and all of them are about knowledge development. They're all about research development, knowledge, applying it to industry. And Mataranga Māori absolutely fits within that remit. Um, it's just that it's something because of its holistic nature that we're not as comfortable with um, compared to, for example, you know, um, research and development around very narrow disciplinary um, approaches. Uh, so I think, you know, with compliance with the um, Act um, and in terms of our strategy, which is around future-proofing our industry, we are absolutely on the right path in terms of getting our industry prepared and ready to incorporate Mataronga Māori and find those intersections between the ways that we traditionally do research and development and knowledge development, um, innovation, and looking at it from two perspectives. Mm. It's funny because it's yeah, obviously we're, we're very adept at um, developing uh, an army of specialists across industry, but it's, it's how do we go about, uh, you know, building that army of, uh, I guess, champions or advocates um, for the concept. And it's funny, I mean, I don't know, it might, it might be within the context of this conversation, but I, I love um, the concept that we sort of got to understand going through the Mātauranga Māori lessons of um, Tautoko. And, and it, it seems like, you know, it's almost, it'd be a great, great opportunity to kind of give us a, give us a rundown, Kim, on what that means to be able to get in behind something like that, because it feels like uh, that's the opportunity for us to move from not just being a, uh, an advocate, uh, I guess, through a, through a, a Western lens, but to, to almost cross over into understanding a, a, a concept within Māori Dim like that. Yeah, I mean, that's funny. And, and I will always say to Troy, I'm only able to do this work because I have her as an advocate. She's out there doing the hard work because I think for Māori, we are whakamara, a, a little shy when it comes to trying to raise up our flag, um, particularly in the workforce. You know, we, the, you know, if we're being honest, this is kind of quite a colonised sort of way of um, of working. It's not how a traditional Māori business is probably run. And so we've sort of fit ourselves into this structure, right? And so in order for us to sort of start bringing in mātauranga Māori, tikanga Māori, kaupapa Māori, we need, we need leadership up the top 
who is making a space for us to have that voice. And so it is so important that we do have these advocates out there who are raising that conversation, that they are challenging their peers who look like them to think a bit differently. Um, because without that, we can't get that traction because it's just like, oh, those Māori, that they're complaining about something again, you know? Whereas if we've got a non-Māori saying that, it seems to get a little bit more playtime because all of a sudden a, a like-minded peer is challenging someone's viewpoint. And so it's so important that we have um, we have those partnerships, we, we have those that safety um, that we totoko, this kaupapa, because otherwise it can't fly. It's, it starts with leadership. There has to be there has to be this call at a leadership level that says this is important and everyone has to follow suit. Otherwise, you know, you, you probably shouldn't be part of this organisation. Um, and I think this is why um, I think a business would be well well set down in, in a future sense if they were to look at possibly developing some sort of rautaki Māori, you know, a, a Māori strategy for their business that sits alongside and aligns to their overall business strategy um, because really what that is saying is they're not looking at Māori as just um, you know a minority as such they're looking at Māori as a, a, a genuine employee an employer a client an influencer you know someone of mana and leadership and really probably most importantly they're looking at Māori as tangata whenua the people of this land so there's some there's some big work to come out of that because if you start looking at Māori at all those through all those lenses then you'll start to understand why you need to um, incorporate all of this thinking into your business because you understand them as a valuable um, part mm. of not only Aotearoa but your business um, that's the starting that's the starting block because when you do that then you start flowing oh okay well then I need to get more understanding of this culture because I can now see them through a different viewpoint than just draining tax or you know someone I pay to do some mahi they're mm. more than that then you start to have to educate yourself and that's that second part of the flow and then you need to then go okay so if I can understand this now I need to then broaden that capacity in my own business and get them to understand it not just myself so it's a whole big journey I think that has to be embedded into a business practice mm. uh, I think I mean, maybe to to wrap the korero up um, it'd be awesome to just almost take take 30 seconds um, and I'd love to get I guess uh, both your perspectives on you know if, if we were to give you permission to daydream for for 30 seconds around um, what you would like this to, to look like <laughs> Um, you know, in in a couple of years' time, and and I guess give yourself an opportunity to go. All right, well, um, it's worked, or it's wor at least working. Um, paint a picture of what that might look like, I guess, for you personally, and also from a from a hero perspective. Mm. I mean, I I always find it hard because obviously I I can't speak for the experience of Māori, but where I guess I kind of like reflect upon it in terms of my own experiences in being the only woman in a room and, and trying to represent um, women in engineering, um, it gets very exhausting being, 
you know, that representative. And when you put on the hat of also representing um, Māori perspectives, um, or, or at least holding space, it gets extremely exhausting. And so I can feel, you know, often um, you can get called the feminist around the table or, you know, Māori often get called the angry Māori around the table. And I think that um, my indicator for success would be that um, there would be other advocates around the table that take that pressure off um, Māori, um, same as they would hopefully one day for women, um, so that we are able to hold space for an alternate cultural lens um, or a diverse lens and um, that's just an accepted practice. At the moment, it's something that really has to be fought for and it really is exhausting and shouldn't be that way. Yeah, I think on a personal level, I think winning for me would look like that um, we can say kia ora to each other, to a business partner, and they'll feel comfortable to say that back. Um, because that's just a simple step that they're on that journey because I know a lot of non-Māori um, would would say that that's one of the things they, they don't like to do is to actually just even try to speak it because they don't want to say it wrong. They don't want to feel disrespectful. So I think for me, a really quick indicator that we're on the right track is they feel open to receive that greeting and then they feel comfortable to give it back in whatever capacity. I think it's small little markers like that for me that would say, hey, we're we're on a journey here um, because I know that there is some discomfort for for some to see to the Almaty mixed in with our communications. And so if there's that comfort there, that would be awesome. Um, and also just to be open to those conversations and probably not to be so um, protective of their own viewpoint. If we can get to a point where everyone feels open to just discuss viewpoints and, and see things differently, I think personally I'd, I'd feel a lot happier about that as well. From a business perspective, um, one of the goals I hope to achieve before I ever decide to, you know, get out of this industry would to be creating would be to create some sort of an accreditation or framework process for our industry, um, which would be a way that they could demonstrate that they are good cultural partners who have gone through the mahi um, to review their business and look at all sectors of it, whether it be HR, financial, whatever, sustainability, um, all of those metrics, and that they can say that they do align to Maturanga Māori in some way. And then for us to be able to uh, accredit that or give them some sort of badge of honour as such to say that they are that partner, because I think that's a strong signal to their clients, to government, that they are definitely Tatiriti or Waitangi partners. And that would be my ultimate goal to leave with industry, I think. And it would be beautiful to see businesses um, going on that journey to to assess themselves, to do the the learning and the courses or whatever it might be to, to raise up those areas perhaps where they're marking low. And then to say at the end of that journey, um, look, I've done the work and, and I am a cultural partner. And then every year we can go back and benchmark them and make sure that they're doing that work. Because I think that's how we can somehow 
find practical ways where businesses can do it because I think that's probably the scary part for a business is not not actually knowing what to do or what they can do um, and so if we if we could create this framework I think that that would just be a really meaningful way to bring people on a journey in a way that they can buy into and understand um, and for it to have a really great outcome so that would be that would be my ultimate dream. So there you go. Thanks for joining our conversation with Troy and Kim today. It's been a great opportunity to flesh out more about what's happening with our Matauranga Māori project and to not only understand what it is and how it works, but ultimately how it can apply to you and your business. If you liked what you heard today, you might be interested to know that Kira is running a number of initiatives to help our industry to uptake Matauranga Māori in a practical way. If you're interested to learn more about these initiatives or perhaps to help us pilot some of these programs, please get in touch with me today. My details are in the show notes.